theme for the uh, afternoon is feelings, emotions and uh, beyond. <coughs> I initially in speaking with you this afternoon uh, would like to make uh, use, uh, application of uh, Pali word, one of the words which in its meaning can be quite helpful, particularly with a talk like this. So the Pali word is Pati Sam Vedi. Vedi Vedana, it means feelings. Sam, like I spoke yesterday, Samkara or Samadhi, that which comes together. And the, uh, the Pati is the sense of connection with. So in these teachings an experience is that which connects with a feeling. And so from time to time I'll use the word experience in, in this kind of uh, context. So there are situations in our daily life a variety of them whereby the relationship to feelings may be strongly present, may be occasionally present, and also can be neglected. It's valuable and precious for us to recognize in our daily life the place of feelings as an experience which we are directly in touch with. And in the culture climate in uh, which we live, it is very, very easy with so much emphasis on knowledge, information, theory, views and opinions and the use of everything from computers and social media and technology that the feeling life gets neglected and the mental life takes priority. And the human being is very much focused on the mental life there is less opportunity to appreciate and realize and discover the significance of Pati Samvedi, of the varieties and depths of experience. So, in the looking at ourselves, and this may apply to some of us uh, here that if we see, perhaps, in our working life 
or our study life or our research uh, life or academic uh, life or in the corporate world the business life if we see we spend much of every day in the application of our mind and all being well the development uh, of, of our mind we need to check in regularly that means daily about the feeling life and is the feeling life being neglected and we shouldn't assume that feeling and experience is always available and accessible it can happen and it does happen that the feeling life when it's neglected kind of starts to dry up and when a human being is detached from disconnected with the feelings there is a gap that gap for some will be a feeling a sense of what is missing in my life what is missing in one's life maybe that which is deep for others in the relationship to the heart and the the feeling world if there is a gap not intentional not deliberate simply by habit because the mind is taking priority over the heart knowledge is taking priority over the depth of feeling if there is that uh, gap one will have a sense of which is the correct one not really being connected with what is deep inside of ourselves but also not feeling connect feeling that's the experience connected deeply with others and in dharma teaching there is a recognition to know reality that experience and therefore feelings is part of the reality it belongs to it it's not that we're wishing to know reality like i mentioned a few days ago at the expense of the heart and therefore an analysis and mathematics and sciences have the access so the checking in to, to repeat the point a little bit uh, with you to really have a sense and know uh, and connect with the feeling <coughs> the feeling experience there for some and it's a voice which is um spoken uh, uh, regularly in these kind of circles we use i use um the language of the heart uh, regularly however as some uh, pointed out if there is so much emphasis on on the heart there some people can feel to be under pressure the usual kind of language my heart is not open enough uh there i've really got to open up my heart more and when some people are very emotional 
very expressive in a whole variety of ways and one has adopted the view about oh the heart should be ought to be more open one engages in envy she or he is so much more open and my heart life is so much more uh, uh, quiet I don't easily spread my emotions out I'm not falling into bucket loads of tears or whatever it might be and there can be an exaggeration of feeling emotional life um, at the expense of using our mind there can be an exaggeration of using our mind so much it's at the expense of our heart sometimes people of the mind simplicity in some of the circles psychotherapy meditation heart workshops and so forth will easily take a conceited kind of viewpoint that those who are in the field of research and the academics and uh, uh, the scholars and uh, the readers and the, the thinkers and the philosophers oh, there's so much in their mind they're not really connected with their uh, uh, heart but the Dharma is appreciative and respectful of those who appear to be more intellectual more conceptual and is equally appreciative of those whose heart and feelings are a strong factor in the daily life and those who are a mixture of the two there's no hierarchy in this area always the criteria is one is there any suffering in these areas that's the criteria not whether you're clever with the, the, the mind not whether you have a huge big heart or not is there suffering in these areas and the second which is close and goes to it there are we developing our heart and mind it's not a no mind tradition it's not a uh, rejection of the heart that the cultivation of both in clear insightful ways is genuinely important and sometimes we need to rely on the messages from the heart and really tune in to the depth of that in a variety of ways but sometimes don't listen to your heart don't just assume that that which is emerging out of the heart is some great revelation and intuition and great truth which is being exposed simply because you feel it do not give such absolute authority uh, in, the, uh, in this way and sometimes in life and plenty of times in life the wisdom can be 
ignoring the messages of the heart and listening to the mind as well as the other way around and I'm sure just in the ordinary sense of things I find for myself and probably you do as well sometimes the feeling is I don't want to do this sometimes the feeling is I don't want to say this whatever it might be about if one's, if the, the voice of the critique is there if one is challenging uh, the status quo of a situation or whatever it might be so the feeling life may say no no it's going to be difficult you know, keep your mouth shut Christopher you know, or whatever it, uh, uh, it might be so the feeling is saying one but sometimes the mind says this needs to be spoken and to be able to take the responses or the outcome or the outflow or whatever uh, uh, may come from that so wisdom has no prejudice and no preference with the heart and mind. And there are those, including in here and elsewhere, whose studies, research, reflections, analysis, essays, articles, public talks, teachings in the variety of institutions, uh, etc., really, really play a really deep, deeply important part in the contribution to our wisdom, to our insights and to our understanding there. And we really need such people uh, there. And one has to be very careful in life of not judging the other by one's own standards. There's no great virtue in being a heartful, heartfelt person. And there's no great virtue in being some great intellectual it's the wisdom in relationship to heart and mind and its wise application that's what we have to remember and that therefore can allow the diversity even in this room as well as elsewhere of hearts and minds In the turning the attention to the feeling uh, uh, world that we uh, uh, experience, the emergence of the feeling when it is pleasant and sometimes strongly uh, uh, pleasant uh, for us, that arising of that strongly pleasant feeling and a form of expression of experience we really touched it really warms the heart it may show itself as love as kindness, as friendship as something spiritual sense of wonder uh, sense of mystery and of gratitude of appreciation and <coughs> many many ways in which the heart can move and then that time the mind is quiet and the heart is rich 
and the heart is expressing itself. It may be um, touched with uh, the arts, and the arts are extraordinary uh, precious event for the human heart. That's without the arts, game over. We're spiritually dead. The arts are so significant. And a small illustration of this. Um, a good friend of mine, Richard, Richard Gomsky, he's uh, the orchestra leader in uh, Devon, South Devon, uh, uh, where I, I live. Brought up in South Africa, lived in uh, Israel, Jewish family, went to the Guildford School of Music, very prestigious place, and then left uh, uh, London and um, became a refugee and moved to Devon. <laughs> <laughs> And there are quite a few refugees from London living in Devon and seeking asylum uh, with us uh, there. So he had, uh, I won't call it a gig, it's very naughty, but he had an evening of classical uh, music. And in my mind, I had the thought that it started at 8pm in the evening, the Saturday evening, 8pm, I had the thought. I thought, I'd better just check, get the ticket out. Oh, shit. It starts at 7.30, and it was 7.25. There. I have a bike. <laughs> I, I jumped on my bike, and I raced down to the hall where the evening concert uh, was uh, uh, take, taking place. I mean, if, if I kept that speed up, I could have won the Tour de France. I mean, <laughs> easy. And I raced down the, 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 the pathway, jumped off the bike, left it le in, uh, leaning against the wall, ran down the, the corridor to the auditorium, and Richard was standing outside the doorway. So all the good uh, people listening had taken their seat. You know, we know the form. And then the musicians come in. And they all take their seat and people are <laughs> clapping. And then the last person to go in is Richard. I mean, it's, the, it's the conductor uh, there. So I'm running down the corridor. And he made me laugh. He turned his head towards me. He said, Christopher... We're all waiting for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I raced in, laughed, uh, raced in, no applause, sat down, <laughs> just sat down, a few seconds, and in he walked, and the evening started. This is the touching moment. He played Tchaikovsky's uh, Romeo and Juliet. Now, those who know Roman Jet, in the very beginning of it is this, through the music, this drama of this conflict with these two Italian families who will not speak with each other there. And as uh, our beloved Shakespeare uh, said of Romeo about Juliet, 
A rose is but a rose called by any name. In other words, her family name, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the family, the two families are in conflict with each other. Love counts. So the first part is the drama there. And then suddenly, in a split moment, it moves to the second movement, which is the communication of the love between Romeo and Juliet. There. I just raced, sat down, not to Richard. The Tchaikovsky piece starts, and then this one of the most beautiful expressions of love through classical music. music and all tears are out of the eyes, like, I went, whoa. You know, sometimes in, in, uh, uh, in life, we hardly realize how close we are to the heart. And this internet, just a few notes, and phew, and the eyes were just full of the tears of appreciation and love. Tchaikovsky, the music, the presence, the tremendous service uh, that the, the beloved musicians are uh, offering us uh, uh, there. And I'll just use it as a, a small example that our receptivity and our meditations and our explorations are about the mind, we develop the mind, there is knowledge, talks would be an example of that, and correspondingly and equally important is this receptivity to the heart. And as I say, we need our poets, we need our musicians, we need our books, we need our literature, we need our, our dance, we need theatre, we need good cinema, we need profound uh, programs. We need the, the wise counsel. We, we need people with good knowledge to inform us and nourish and inspire us, etc. And so that world of the feeling and the world of the mind and the world of the listening really can really fuse together. And we want to, as I mentioned earlier, to ensure in our life that the fullness of our being, in this case experience, in this case wise use of the mind, in this case responding and knowing the heart, really work together. In uh, this uh, uh, exploration, the human being in um, contact uh, uh, with the other it's a relationship in, in life where in the process of the observing uh, and the listening which takes place, we easily, it's an important thing here, can form a picture of the other and in this uh, picture of the other it may, may reflect who the other is. Or, and it may reflect how we see or perceive the other there. But easily, the impression which comes, if it is a single impression, if it is a single impression, we are not seeing clearly. 
No human being is able to sustain herself, himself, in the same way continuously. So there is an impression which is made. The impression touches us. It's not to say that it doesn't and it won't happen. Of course it will happen uh, with us. But can we just have enough clarity and enough experience with life that what we say and the way that we communicate will have an impact on the other which may contribute to seeing this person in a completely different way for better or worse we meet someone she or he or they touch us in a wholesome lovely sweet way or in a problematic or difficult uh, way but we should not underestimate our capacity in the communication to see much more than that impression. And sometimes our behaviour in the impression and the feeling that we have gets in the way of seeing the person clearly. Of responding. We're not responding to the person. We are responding to the impression of the person. We have given the impression, which is an impression, too much authority. Sometimes on retreats, they're great environments for this, I have to say. Because the silence gives the opportunity to have all manner of feelings and views and impressions about others without any communication. It's a minefield for impressions <laughs> in here. And quite often in the, in the tradition and in the monasteries and uh, so forth, uh, so forth. The impression can be such that it sometimes gets referred to uh, in these circles and uh, traditions. One is with vipassana, uh, is the uh, Pali word for these kind of practices, <coughs> the vipassana romance, and the other is the vipassana villain. <laughs> villain is a polite word for terrorist. <laughs> and, and one's engaged in the day, just quietly doing one's practice. And out of the blue, some image, picture, feeling uh, 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 arises there, and we form an impression of the other. And it can be just based on the smallest little thing. You know, the person arrived two minutes late. <laughs> there, that, I mean, that's... Gosh, that's nearly a war crime in these places. <laughs> Etc. <laughs> uh, there. Or one feels a, uh, m a moment of romantic curiosity uh, with the, uh, the other, 
and then out of that uh, 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 there it start, that image then starts to build up and then one's thinking about how many kids you're going to have together <laughs> and you know, live happily ever after and uh, all, all, all of that it, it, from the feeling and the perception and the view and the image in the world of the image a huge amount can be built up and I, it sticks in my uh, uh, mind to talk about the openness so one of the guys on uh, uh, one of the retreats in, uh, was in uh, India um, said he's doing his practice and he's you know, a dedicated meditator etc but he's having this incredible um, fantasy about one of the uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the women and tending to interpret everything as a confirmation of some cosmic <laughs> profound poetic love affair you know the, the, the two pairs of sandals are, are close to each other outside <laughs> the door and it, this is incredible it's obviously they, they, one is behind the other in the food queue and it's how cosmic could you get etc and in in one retreat uh, rather larger retreat so I said to him no I'm a guy which of the women is it (laughs) 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 I'm curious maybe we have the same kind of interest which of the women is it he said um well, I'd rather not say, you know, and then I said, it's a very wicked thing to say. I said to him, oh, you're not willing to be open. I mean, it's a very bad, <laughs> <laughs> horrible thing to say to somebody, <laughs> etc. And then, then he said, okay, I said, look, it's all in confidentiality. I'm not going to say... In the, in the talk this afternoon that, you, <laughs> that you've got the hots for this particular woman and the whatever there what was extraordinary listen, in the retreat 11 guys <laughs> had this romantic interest in the same woman and she, I mean, she was nice and she was lovely and she was quietly doing her practice and not realising the massive amount of attention <laughs> that's going in her direction from teenagers to guys in their 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Extraordinary phenomena uh, there. And it, sometimes, so 11 of them can't marry her, so I'm, anyway, I'm not sure what happened uh, after that. But sometimes, in the image, this is the point, in the image, and in the not knowing and the uh, kind of identification with the image. That person, that woman, that man, may just open their mouth and say a few words at the end of the retreat and think, God, (laughs) what was all that about with me? (laughs) Etc. And it goes just the other way as well. One's gone through a retreat five days, week long or, or more. One is convinced that this guy or this uh, woman is uh, 
pain in the neck and he's holding out of stuff and he's aggressive and nasty. All of this is built, built up and using everything, uh, every little thing that the person does, you know, person just sneezes in the hall. <laughs> That's deliberate. They're trying to root she, she or he's trying to ruin our meditation. I mean, I've heard these things over the years. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> and and uh, uh, all of this. They actually they go up to take a little bit of extra food. People like that person who's consuming the earth. You know, <laughs> I only want a little bit more food. <laughs> Etc. So all this is there. And then at the end of the five days a week long, the person has a few words with this person. Oh, what a lovely person. <laughs> so kind, so caring, so interested, etc. So days have been building up one picture and it just takes another avenue, another angle. <laughs> Boom. What was all that about? So, mindfulness externally, mindfulness internally, both count. The interest in the feeling life counts. There is a real place for a rich emotional life as well, for some people, therefore not exaggerating it. And at times, with the emotional life that uh, uh, may come and some important aspects I want to touch on with you uh, here that for some there is the release of the emotional uh, uh, life and emotions in Dharma language here is the intensification of feelings which has with it a movement emotion it has with it energy a stronger feeling about there. It can be related to a particular issue or story. It can just arise. It may arise through the body. Sometimes it, in its movement that takes place, it arises through tears of uh, happiness or sadness or whatever. It may arise through speech or through uh, movement, we are touched with something which releases something, sometimes unexpectedly, which flows through the being there. It is very easy with the movement of the emotion sometimes to judge it. So the interpretation of the emotion really, really matters. The interpretation the view of the emotion matters as much as the emotion uh, there. There are plenty of emotions which are precious, helpful, spontaneous, joyful, tearful, and to let the being experience them. There are emotions as well which are problematic. And the... Problematic e emotions could be fear and uh, uh, anger and blame and uh, jealousy. And in the problematic emotions, there will have to be desire. 
There will have to be desire, wanting. And that wanting may be known, whatever one is wanting. It's in the problematic emotion. Fear, wanting to stop. Fear, wanting to do, whatever. Anger, wanting whatever that might be uh, uh, about, and many other kinds. So in looking at ourselves, when a problematic emotion, intensification of feelings with memory, with uh, uh, energy, often with a story or whatever, can we, rather than view it, perhaps blaming ourselves or blaming the other, you make me so angry. You misled me. You're not really listening to me. Whatever it might be, let's say. So when there is some anger, uh, agitation as one uh, uh, example, what is the desire in it? There. There are some situations, and this is very, very common with emotional life, where the view of it is not what it is. The view of it is not what it is. So, one of the most common would be fear. So what I mean by that is, you wish to speak up, you wish to respond, as an example, you wish to engage, and you're experiencing a variety of sensations in, inside. You're not used to public speaking, you're not used to leading a group, and you find yourself in this particular position, and prior to it, there's lots of sensations, as they say, butterflies in the stomach, and all of that. And very easily, oh, it's fear which is operating. Dharma is not the case. It doesn't work like that. The fear is when I am, am unable to respond. When I can't go and speak in front of that group. I can't take that risk or whatever it might be. So when one is unable to and it's stopping one, because it's stopping, it's called fear. But the fact of the sensations inside isn't the fear itself. There are some sensations, but the sensations, the clarity and the intentionality can still occur despite all of these sensations. And it's our challenge and our task to see if we can respond to situations fearlessly without any need to get rid of these butterflies in the stomach or this sweating or this feeling of contraction or the thought which says I can't, I'm not ready or whatever language which is being used. 
and that small steps when the action takes place despite all these sensations and hesitations we've made a profound shift of the human being from seemingly appearing to be fearful but the expression shows we're fearless and all these teachings are about realising and living a fearless life even though you might be walking down the road and one of these huge rottweilers with more teeth than a dog than you've ever seen in your life before standing a metre or two from you uh, there looked like all set to go for you I would tell you the Buddha of the Buddha would be experiencing lots of sensations <laughs> there Fearlessness is not a life without any sensations going on. But in spite of the sensations, can one stay clear and steady with the, with the situation? In spite of the sensations, can we speak up about that which is important? In spite of the sensations, can we go into a difficult zone? Conflict zone, war, war zone an intensity of a, of a group situation, knowing that one's going to be judged and rejected or whatever. Can the being respond to situations in spite of all those signals and sensations that are going uh, uh, on or all the thoughts about? That's why it's a liberating practice liberating practice to have the capacity uh, for these steps so we take <coughs> as the encouragement is a uh, deep interest in the, in the feeling life and there are plenty of people whose feeling life is quiet very quiet be grateful. <laughs> Don't listen to these people who put a lot of pressure, you're not in touch with your feelings, etc. Mm -hmm. Nor take notice of those who keep saying, well, I've got to get my feelings out. I've got to get my rage out. I've got to get my anger out. There are people doing that every day. My daughter works in the uh, women's uh, charity and the charity deals its task is dealing with domestic violence and I just listen to what she tells me and the, and the situations uh, uh, that go on person can get all their anger and their emotions and their blame uh, out so look at the consequence look at them one in, I don't know how it is here in Germany but in Britain one in four homes there is some form of domestic violence going on whether it's shouting and yelling and emotional 
in the language there. Sometimes it's in the physical, the hitting, and sometimes in, is in that cold detachment of refusing, refusing to connect. It's a, it's a form of violence against family members. And so just getting out the emotion is, uh, even on a more subtle uh, uh, level, is such that it easily, in that kind of language of getting it out, will carry with it often a blind spot to the person who is on the receiving end of it. And there are plenty of people, lots of people, who are very, very sensitive in their being, who cannot cope with rage and anger and blame and jealousy and envy and uh, demands. And when they hear it, when it's put upon the person, she or he or they, including kids, the impact of that, that and the consequence is, it's a trauma. And when something has an impact, and it has a traumatic impact for the person, it can take days, weeks and months to heal. And it, and it can be such that the person, as we are hearing in the, uh, the culture of the women who are expressing concern, the Me Too culture uh, there, that things which are uh, of, of trauma, which have been stored and kept inside for, uh, for years, that it easily can bring about an unwillingness and a fearfulness to actually speak up. And therefore it gets stored. And it's painful. And it continues to be painful. And it can have a, such an effect on so many different relationships in, uh, uh, in life. So the exploration of the heart, feelings, including hurt and pain is an important part of these deep explorations and quite often as we say in English a problem shared is a problem halved we, sometimes we really need the good counsel of the others to share what patisamvedi is what our experience is which includes the feelings with the other to help shed some light and insight on it and therefore it includes the range of emotions and the range of feelings and, and sees with the Buddha and the text whoa, has he talked about feelings has he talked about problematic feelings has he talked about beautiful feelings of happiness and joy and laughter and connectedness and bliss and wonder and much much more friendship appreciations, gratitude, empathy, woe. It's, it's a teaching on human beings really knowing what it is to feel. As touched on yesterday uh, a little bit uh, with you as well, there, to be a well-adjusted human being, a well-integrated human being, Pati Samvedi, to be a human being who's looking at those blind spots that we have and really committed to working 
uh, with them. And as the Buddha said, those who are deeply committed to this, one of the characteristics of it is we cannot hide those issues which need our attention, he says, from ourselves. Done enough practice that we really so we really want to look at things, what's going on for us. And we can't and we don't want to hide things from ourselves any longer there. And then he also says, in the same sentence, those things which are unresolved with us, he says, we cannot hide from others either. Others will pick up. Others will sense something's not quite right with us. Others will remind us what needs some attention, what needs some working with. And sometimes we need the good voice of the other to remind us of something that we're not seeing about ourselves. We shouldn't have to rely constantly on ourselves. The well-adjusted, not perfectly, well-integrated, not perfectly. And to come back to the, uh, uh, the Buddha, sometimes there is a certain idealism with regard to our feeling life, that it should always be chilled out, calm, clear, relaxed, can deal with anything. This is romantic idealism gone beyond the pale. Uh, there. Right after the Buddha's awakening, we're not, we're not talking years later when he might have forgotten, but right, right after there, he realised <coughs> the importance of Pati Samvedi in life, of the human experience and the exploration uh, of it. And in that, exploring, as we're touching upon today, uh, a, a middle way to really look deeply uh, into life. And because it wasn't re about religion and belief, and because it wasn't about secular culture and personal success and uh, all of that, the thought arose in his mind yeah. that it would be tiring and wearying, that means tiring, and a vexation, a bother, a trouble, to speak on these things and not be understood. And I th to me, it was a little bit of a relief, I have to say, this, uh, 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 hearing of things. That sometimes in life, we are tired of starting, don't want to start something. Yeah. Sometimes we feel a bit weary and exhausted. It feels like it would be a hassle. Why not? There are things in life which are a hassle. It's not a picnic. <laughs> Picnics can be a hassle as well, <laughs> especially if it's a dysfunctional family. So, to have a sense of normality, sometimes things are tedious, 
they are a struggle it is a hassle it is bothersome and feels one ought to do it's just part of the human experience about lots of events plenty of times you and I don't want to we look at the mobile phone and we've got somebody's face oh no, anybody but or whatever it might be or we've got to go and see the bank manager or you you know, or, or make the pilgrimage to sitting meditation in the dentist chair to, to watch your sensations, <laughs> etc. And there are plenty of things that are, oh, rather than the feeling, the voice, etc. It's life. We're not here to make the feeling world perfect. And every time we have a feeling, it's agreeable. It's not true, it's not what life is. And in the deep of the feelings, the unpleasant feelings are precious. Precious. Because it's often in the unpleasant feelings that brings the best out of human beings. We feel unpleasant about the circumstances of our earth. There, I find myself as a man in his 70s <clears throat> that uh, with the reflections on death I've noticed and, it, and uh, hear from other friends of the same age there is as much thought I actually find myself more now in the last just few, uh, few years of the, the death of the planet the death of human life on earth, the vulnerability. Think just as much about how it's going to be for the children and for the grandchildren there. Because the action, we have the tools, we have the knowledge, we have the expertise, and we have the money to make significant changes to get things back on track. We can do it. But there's not the political economic will. It's just doing it bits by bit and it's much too slow. Uh, and so sometimes in our reflections, in our feeling uh, life as well, for some of us it's looking at one's own time on this uh, earth and the, the passage of uh, the years, but equally looking at the time of this earth and the passage of time with regard to the whole field of existence. It's it kind of enters into the thought world, into the world of concern uh, there. And it's the unpleasant, get back to the point, which often has triggered compassion, for sure. It's triggered action to give service to other people. It's triggered initiative to give support to our animals and to the environment and, and much, 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 much more. So the place of the unpleasant feeling is as important as the pleasant. It's not a teaching of trying to maximise the pleasant and minimise the unpleasant. Not these teachings, not this Dharma. And that sense of the uh, uh, beyond there 
can express itself in a variety of, of, of ways. And sometimes one of the ways that it shows itself is in relationship to the deep and a sense of the deep in life and sometimes that which emerges out of our being or emerges out of the other whether alive or in the literature or in the arts or in the spirituality sometimes there is a recognition wow there's much more to life than just the conventional and the everyday and out of the deep sometimes something really precious and profound may come and we can't explain where that comes from we are kind of speechless we are kind of wordless uh, uh, with it but things touch life touch our life and in our receptivity and our exploration that which is in which is deep informs us it gives us some insight it's a revelation and some may be comfortable with the language of God why not some may be comfortable with the language of the deep why not the language of the expanse which makes everything possible and we want to be as receptive to the deep to God to truth as we are to how we feel and how we think so that the deep and our feeling life and our thought uh, life have a relationship together and that's truly precious let's have our quiet minute shall we? May all beings explore the fields of experience. May all beings be receptive to what is deep inwardly and outwardly. May all beings live with a liberating wisdom.
Thank you.